Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Woo! Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> yeah, man. Dang, this is gets more and more just bam every weekend, man. These guys just lead us, man, in just like the presence of God and just to worship God, to recognize that God is here. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And I love that, man. I praise the Lord. Welcome to the church. Amen. Welcome to the church, amen? amen? Come on, stay with me, man. All right? And you recognize when I say welcome to the church, I'm not talking about this building, right? I'm not talking about this auditorium. I'm talking about the church right here. Welcome to the people of God, amen? Praise the Lord, man. Welcome to the church, all right? Yeah, y'all remember why we're here, right? You remember why we're here? We're here, man. We are here, all right, to make it easier for people to know Jesus. That's why we're here. We're here, man, to make it easier for all people to know Jesus. And, and you know, and, you know, what that looks like is us getting things out of the way because sometimes a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the way and they don't think that they can know Jesus. Jesus, and we're here to help get things out of the way, and sometimes even us, amen? Because sometimes we can get in the way. And we're here also to uh, lead people into that growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we're here, man. Number one, to, 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 to make it easier for people to know Jesus and to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we recognize that we are not the growth. We may be a growth, all right? <laughs> are you a growth? All right, <laughs> but, but we are not the growth, all right? You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, we, we lead people to them and we walk with them, all right, in that growth, amen? Because for years, man, here's what I know, man, for years, people who claim to be Jesus people and some who actually are seem to be making it harder and harder and harder for people to know Jesus, all right? And in effect, they're, they're leading people to themselves rather than leading people to God. And they're giving everybody all these reasons to cut and run from God. You ever talk to somebody who says, you know what, they, they, they know that you go to church or you invite them to church or something like that. And they're like, you know what, man, I don't, I don't, nah, man, I've had a bad experience with God. And then when you talk to them about it, you recognize they never really had a bad experience with God. They had a bad experience with a knucklehead who tried to represent God in a poor fashion, all right? They had a bad experience with a person, all right, who just kind of loaded them down with all kinds of craziness, all right, that God never seemed, you know, deemed necessary for them to know him, right? We're here to know God, and we're here to make God known. That's what we're here to all right, and you're like, wow, what is the best way to do that? By being all in, man, and having him all in us, right? And loving God with our whole being, your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit, your strength, everything about you. Loving God and loving others as you love yourself, amen? And that requires a love for self as well. And some of us have a hard time loving ourselves. And let me just kind of remind you, all right, if God can love you, what makes your standards higher than his? <laughs> I mean, when God looked at me, man, his standards were really low, all right? I was like, wow, all right? So, all right. I mean, he just loved. And because of that, man, I recognize that any part of me that is without him is not a good part. I'm just talking about myself, all right? Maybe I'm not talking about you. Any part of me, all right, that, that, is, that, is, that, that is missing any part of him, all right, is not really a good part. And I'll tell you that, all right? 
It's just, it just is. Any part of me without him is not a good part, man. But because, because in seeing me, man, oh, my hope is that you will see him. In seeing me, man, my hope, man, and, and my desire and my, my aim in this life is when my wife sees me, she's not just looking at me like I'm some kind of supermodel, all right? But she's actually looking at me because she's looking for Jesus. All right? And when, and I, and when my children look at me, I want them to look for Jesus. I want them to see Jesus. And, and seeing me, you should be able to see him. And what about you? Now I'm going to talk about you. Because seeing you should help others see Jesus too, shouldn't it? Shouldn't seeing you help others see Jesus as well? Absolutely. How's that going? <laughs> hey, man, how's that going, by the way? Anyways, hmm? how is that going? For real. <laughs> We've been reading through the book of Luke, and we're in Luke chapter 11, and there's all these stories that we go through. And right now, we're in this big story, all right? And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna kind of end the part, this part, this section of a story today, all right? And, but, but, but sometimes we have to break these stories up because there's so much there. There's so much complexity going on. There's so much that we can learn from what Christ is doing and saying that sometimes we have to break this up. And actually, it's what we did with this story right here. We broke it up in two parts. Pastor Chad talked about the first part last week. We're going to talk about our next part today, all right? But I'm going to read the whole story for you. So, all right, sit back and let me just kind of read this scripture for you and just kind of absorb what God is saying. Father, we praise you and we give you honor and we give you the glory, Lord God, in the mighty name of Christ. Lord God, we are praying, Father, for your Holy Spirit just to break any walls that we put up, man. Any steel roofs that we just kind of put ourselves under, try not to allow your word in. Any platforms that we take and we set and we stand over your word and act like we're just going to dissect it, Lord God, but maybe we just be submissively underneath your word today. All for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And so Luke chapter 11, all right, uh, verse starting in verse 37, Jesus was kind of hanging around, all kinds of stuff's going on in this crowd, and he was talking to these people, and it says, while Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to come over for dinner. All right, to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at this table, just kicked back. All right, the Pharisee was astonished to see that he didn't wash his hands, all right, before dinner. And the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees, you, you cleanse the outside of the cup of the dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. Um, you know, we look at this as what not to tell your host when you're invited over for dinner. Anyways, <laughs> he says, you fools, all right? You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? He says, but give as alms those things that are within. In other words, like as you would give to the poor, all right? Give those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. He says, but woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb. Your whole, my Pastor Chad said, your whole spice rack, you're, you're giving little tithes, all right? And neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done. You, you, you are still you know, giving, all right, but without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and, and the greetings in the marketplaces because you feel like you're this big, important person around town. He says, woe to you for your unmarked graves. And people walk over them without even knowing they're walking over uncleanliness. They're involved in your uncleanliness, basically. And here's our part. 
starting in verse 45. And one of the lawyers answered him and said, you know, we're here too. He says, you teacher, you're saying these things. You're insulting us also. Did you not know we were at this table? And he said, woe to you lawyers also. For you lead, you lead people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch burdens with one of your fingers. And then he gets all crazy, and he, gets, you know, he says, woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets. Words are going to fly everywhere. We're going to unpack this a little bit this today, but check this out. He says, woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your father killed, and so you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them and you build their tombs. Therefore, also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute. Stay with me. Come on, you had your coffee. Check it out. All right. And so, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. He's talking to that group of people right there. All right. From the blood of Abel, very, very first, you know, one of the first kids of uh, uh, the first son of Adam and Eve, to the blood of Zechariah, all right, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you it will be required of this generation. Are you ready to jump back in? Check this out. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge, and you didn't enter yourself, and you hindered those who were entering. I don't even know if they got to dinner, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it says, as he went away from there, the scribes and Pharisees began to press hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. It's crazy, man. Here's what I know. When I see Jesus talking something up, when I see him talking up things, like here's some good things, here's what you need to be thinking about, I want to be that up. I want, him, I want him to be able to be, be describing me and those things that he's saying that are the good things. But when I see him talking something down, all right, when I see him talking something down like this, I want to check myself to make sure it's not me he's talking to. You know what I'm saying? When we're listening to Jesus talk, hey, this is really good, this is really good, I want to be that guy. When we hear it tell you, man, this is, you know, whoa, yeah, you fools. I don't want to be that guy. I was like, if I was sitting at this table for dinner and he started going off like that, I would be stepping back a little bit and going, Oof, he's talking about you, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because <laughs> I ain't going to be that guy. You know what I mean? That's how I would feel. How can we be sure that he's not talking about us right here? And I got a little challenging couple of questions for you, man. All right, and uh, I'll put them up here. And so let me ask you this, man. When you realize how close God is getting, uh, you know, do you get defensive? All right, do you get defensive, man, and try to point out reasons why, you know, you're, you're, what you're doing is right? Do you get disturbed in recognizing, okay, why are you here messing up my thing that I got going? Do you get anxious and like, you know what, I don't know, man, I think I, I need to create some type of, you know, religion around this. Or do you lean in? Do you lean in to, to, to like, I'm here, man, even if, even if you are describing me right now, I don't want to be that guy. I'm going to lean in and I'm going to worship you. I want to thank you for revealing these things to me. I want to listen and I want to apply what you're saying to me. What about you, man? When, 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 you, when you realize how close God is, do you get defensive? Do you get disturbed? And do you get anxious? Or do you lean in? Do you worship? Do you listen and then apply? 
Here's what I know, man, is a lot of times when, 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 when God is, is, is speaking and we're getting defensive and we're getting disturbed and we're getting anxious, we start to, we're confronted with the, with the reality of our sovereign God and we start to create religions that are more me-centered. Well, I don't want you looking at me like that, so now look at me like this. Look at, check, I'm doing this, check, I'm doing that, check, I'm doing this, all right? When in, when in essence, you're, you're basically you know, becoming your own God that you're trying to please yourself into recognizing here are some truths, I've been confronted by these truths and I'm gonna create this little religion that is very me-centered rather than cultivate a relationship with God. Because if God is saying this to you right now, what does it look like to get that out of the way? When, you have, when you're involved in a relationship that you are just so about and you're all about it and you see things get in the way of that relationship, you want to do what it takes to remove that because how important this relationship is. You will sacrifice whatever you need to sacrifice. You will rethink whatever needs to be rethunk. You will go through all the changes that are necessary because this is what matters, right? What about this? That's what he's talking about, right? You see, Jesus right here sitting at this dinner table, not washing his hands, all right? You know what I mean? Uh, you know, he knows exactly who he is at all times. And he has no problem, all right, showing you who you are and where you are. The question is, man, do you have a problem receiving what he has to say? You see, here's what I know, man. When I, wanna, when I recognize what God is doing when he was saying, I know that I need to allow God to do a work in me before I do a work on me. You understand? I need to allow God to do a work in me before I do a work on me. And what I'm recognizing is so many times we think we just need to do a work on ourselves. Whoa, this is wrong. This is wrong. Let me just fix that. Let me fix it. I'll be back, God. Let me just take care of this. Boom. How about now? How do I look now? Just as bad. Maybe a little worse. Thank you. Right? And he gives us an example. Let's kind of open up this scripture right here really quickly. And uh, I'm going to do a little bit of explaining as we go through this. And we'll just see what happens. All right. Verse uh, chapter 11, verse 45. We'll get, begin with our part of the whole story. We're in the middle of this dinner party. All right. And, uh, and Jesus is just putting everybody on blast. And then one of the lawyers, all right, answered him, teacher, and saying this, you're insulting us too. Like, like the lawyer is kind of saying, look, I know you're kind of mad at these guys, but you know, we're here too. And it's kind of an insult to us because we're kind of with these guys. And it's kind of a little cultural background that takes place back in the time of Christ, okay? Before the time of Christ, Israel has kind of had a rough history for like ever since it's existed, actually. And they finally started to become their own. Oh, throughout, this, you know, throughout their history, they're, they're, they're running away from God, they're coming back to God. They're running away from God, coming back to God. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? All right? And so finally, they're, 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 they're just kind of, they're, they're overthrown by a Roman empire, and now they are subordinate to the world empire at that time. And three groups of people emerged out of there. The Sadducees, the Essenes, and the Pharisees and the scribes. All right? And you're like, wait, where are we going? Stay with me. I'm just going to be real simple. The Sadducees, when you read in the Bible about the Sadducees, there were a group of people that actually says, you know what? Let's just try to get along with the Romans. Let's just kind of make it. We're still of our identity, but we have to assume some of their identity. It kind of conformed. The Essenes were a group of people that said, you know what? Forget all this, man. You know what? This is all evil. This is not of God. We're taking our Bible and we're going home, all right? And they, lift, they literally went for the hills, all right? And they separated themselves from everybody, all right? Neither were helpful, right? 
Well, the Pharisees and the scribes, they kind of had a pretty good start. Because in the beginning, the Pharisees and the scribes were like, you know what? We cannot disengage from our culture, and we are not going to conform to this overarching culture. You know, we have to stay true to the word of God. And so what we're going to do is we're going we're to assume this position of, of a physical example of what it looks like to follow the laws of God. And we're also going to be these interpreters of the, for the people of the word of God. And they kind of had a good start with that. But then they started just receiving all of that public accolade because the people were like, yeah, yeah. And I see this happen in churches way too much, man. There are way too many rock stars in churches. I am not a rock star. I can play the guitar, but you wouldn't want to hear it. All right, I'll tell you right now. You know what I mean? I used to sing, right? And I don't for a reason anymore. All right, and so, uh, you know, I'm no rock star and there are no rock stars in church. There are only, there are only what? All right, I, I just got my knee replaced. <clears throat> All right, there is us. That's what there is. Equal at the foot of the cross. Amen? There's nobody, nobody up there. All right? Amen? Right? You're a follower of Christ. I'm a follower of Christ. Guess what? None of us are Christ. Amen? But in seeing me, you should be able to see Jesus. Amen? Watch this. I'm going to do a flip. Just kidding. All right? So, all right? But I just kind of want to just... All right? I'm going to regret that later. But anyways... I feel pretty good, praise the Lord, all right? All right, so, yeah, well, but, but what I'm saying is, like, they're, they're, there was, they started off real good until they started pointing everybody to themselves. And the scribes, the Pharisees, who were actually the lawyers and the Pharisees, the scribes and lawyers are kind of the same group of people. All right, they're like, wait a second, you're talking about us. You're insulting us, too. And he goes, because that's not, I'm talking to you guys. And rather than receiving, receiving the instruction, all right, to repent and mishandling this position, they were sent to serve this community, all right, these guys were insulted. And he said, woe to you lawyers also, for you lead, you, you load people with burdens so hard to bear that you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. And this is what happens, man, when your life becomes bent on ritual and religion and accolade because of that ritual and religion. Yeah, you like this? You wish you could do this. This is what happens. You start to mishandle the word of God. You use the scriptures as a tool, all right, to look down on others while ignoring your own responsibility before God. He's literally telling the Pharisees and the lawyers and the scribes, you're practicing, you're not practicing what you preach and what you preach is whack. It's not good, all right? Because where are they preaching? They're preaching, you know, that, that this, this do as I say, but not as I do, because they ain't owning it. He's saying, look at man, you're not even practicing what you preach, all right? You're not, you're not owning it. You're telling people do as I say, but not as I do, and it sounds pretty poetic, but it's pretty lame. People always tell me before, they always, I've been asked quite a few times, hey man, we have somebody that wants to speak at your church, you have somebody come speak at your church. You know, we did that once here. All right, we had a guy come and he spoke. This is before we had this auditorium going on here, back in the day. We got, we thought, yeah, man, let's let you know, we're gonna have different guest speakers preach here. And this preacher came up and he started preaching, man, and he just, he just wasn't, he got lost in his message. And we were praying for him, hoping he's to get back on track. It'll be all right, it'll be all right. And after the message, man, he, he walked out. He forgot to turn his mic off and he started just cussing out in the hallway like throwing some mad cuss words about how angry he was because he couldn't preach the message right. And, you know, I'm not even going to allude to the words that he was saying. And it's like, we value, why don't we have guest speakers? Because we value your walk with Christ. 
All right? And because we value that, we want to walk close enough. The, the pastors who speak from this podium and the stage and the, and the men and women who talk and give announcements and stuff like that and do all the preaching online and the solid ground stuff that we put out there. All right? we, want to, we, we walk close enough to be able to at least challenge each other's walk with God to match our talk. Because in seeing me and in seeing you should help others see Jesus, amen? amen. And so, so they weren't practicing what they preach and what they preach and what they were teaching was just whack. It was out. I mean, these experts, all right, of the law, all right, were, were teaching how, how everyone but them was falling way short of the glory of God. And it's crazy because it seems that too often, man, Christians, even in this sad thing, man, point out the many ways that people are offending God rather than the one way to be with him regardless of our failures. I don't know if you know the story. There's two stories that take place in the Bible. I like contrasting these stories often. Is there's a story where uh, Jesus goes to Matthew, the tax collector's house, and they're just partying it up in there. I'm not saying Jesus is partying and up dancing on tables. I'm just saying, you know, he was there while this party was going on. There was like, and these religious leaders were outside. They're going, there's there all these sinners and stuff in there. Why is he in there hanging out with these sinners and partying and stuff like that? All right. And then there's another scene where Jesus walks into the temple of God where all the religious leaders, you know, kind of held their, their, their positions and they would walk past all these tables that people were selling, you know, like, you know, hey, man, like, come and get your lamb to worship. Come get your turtle doves, you know what I mean? Come exchange your money for the temple money to give them. And it was just kind of like this scene that was going on out there. Which, which, which scene do you think Jesus started throwing tables over and was just disgusted with what was going on? At the temple with the religious leaders. But he didn't, he didn't, he didn't toss any tables at Matthew's house. As a matter of fact, you know what he said when they, when they challenged him, man? They said, you know what? Why are you hanging out with sinners? This is crazy. He goes, you know what? Uh, apparently, you're all better. I didn't come for the, for the well. I came for the sick. And then he said this. He goes, but, but go and, look what he says here. Go and learn this. Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. In that same story, he says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice because I came to call, I, did, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. When it comes to following Jesus, let me ask you this question, man. All right, do you make it easier for people or do you make it harder? Are you personally, your personal life, and start in your house, are you making it easier for your wife, your husband, your children, all right, your family to know Jesus, or are you making it harder for them? Is someone, what, what, you know, is someone making it harder for you? Is someone's religion getting in the way of you knowing Jesus? Or is your religion getting in someone else's way of knowing Jesus? Because it shouldn't, right? Because in seeing you, right, that should help others see Jesus and not you, right? That was a question. Yes, right? No? Anyway? Okay, just checking, man. You guys here? <laughs> All right. Oh, then he gets all crazy. <laughs> And I'm going to read through five verses, and words are going to just be flying everywhere like they were just a while ago. All right, but stay with me. Stay with me. Check it out. Because he tells them, man, you guys are getting, you guys, you guys, you guys are not practicing what you preach, and what you preach is just totally whack because you're not even owning it, and it's all messed up. He goes, man, they see, you know, people should be able to see God when they see you, and they're not seeing God, they're just seeing you. 
And here's what he challenges them with in verse 47. He says, woe to you, man. He says, in other words, man, you should be tripping on this. This is modern day translation. Woe to you means, man, you should be tripping on what I'm telling you right now. All right, this would trip you out. This would freak you out right now. All right, personally, you should look in the mirror and go, whoa. That's what that, whoa, okay? Anyways, <laughs> woe to you. For you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. And so you're witnesses and you consent to the deeds of your fathers for they killed them, the prophets that God sent. And you build their tombs. Therefore, the, the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute. And we saw it happen. Read through the book of Acts. So that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. He's talking to everybody at dinner right here. Okay. All right. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, he just kind of owns the whole, uh, what they called the Tanakh, the Old Testament at that time who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it'll be required of this generation. And you're like, what's happening there? You really want to know what's going on right there, right? There's a lot going on. And we're, you, know, you want to open that up and just kind of understand, what is he talking about? Do you? Yeah. Open your Bibles and find out. Come back and tell me what you find out. I would love to hear it. So check it out. Here's what I got, Okay. <laughs> I'm going to give you a summary because that is a whole, that's a whole lot. But throughout the years, here's what I got. Throughout the years, God sent people to let Israel know that they were slipping. All right, they're slipping away from God because they keep going into this culture, going into that culture. God says, keep your eyes on me, man, because you're here to make me known, to know me and make me known. All right? And often the leaders of the people would eliminate these prophets all right, you read Jeremiah, Ezekiel, you know what I mean? Check this out. They would eliminate these prophets because they would put them, the prophets would put these leaders of the people on blast. The Jewish leaders of the, you know, the leaders of the Jewish people, right? Yeah, you know, they, they would put them on blast, all right, because they were leading away, people away from God and not to him. And so in essence, Jesus is saying, man, you're no better than your fathers, man, who got rid of all the messengers of God. They refused to hear what God was saying through them, through these, through these people that, that God sent, and they killed them, had them put in prison. He said, you're not even trying to hear them for yourselves today. You have it written. I mean, you guys are studiers of the word of God. Yes, you're, 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 you're focused on the law of God, but you know the whole word, and you ain't even trying to hear yourself. I mean, if they had been in proper interpreters of the law, they would have seen that the one that they just invited to dinner was the one that the whole law was talking about in the first place. I love what Micah says, man, because Micah says, you know what? Let me just sum these up for you. A prophet named Micah, all right? In the book of Micah, chapter six, verse eight, he says, let me sum this up for you. He says, he has told you, God has told you, oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require? Of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Let's reverse engineer that. What does it look like to walk humbly with your God? It means to receive the one he sent, the son of the living God, Jesus Christ, who came and gave his life for our sins. We have separated ourselves from God, and today we still separate ourselves from God. And remember that the enemy will gladly fill any space you leave between you and God. And Jesus said, man, well, let me fill that space. 
all right? We have been separating ourselves from God from, from the beginning of time. And Jesus came to gap that separation. He came to die for the sin that we sin that separates us from a pure and holy God. And Jesus came to, to, to bridge the gap that is this, this huge gulf between us and God with, by his blood on the cross as he came, the perfect sacrifice for sin, your sin, my sin, all of our sin, the sin of the world. He came and gave his life for that. And he died on the cross and he was buried. And then three days later, guess what? Ain't nobody done it before. Ain't nobody done it since. He got up and he stayed up because he is God. Hallelujah. All right? And so for us to walk humbly with God is to recognize he's God. And guess what? We're not. And when we walk humbly with God, all right, and we love God and are loved by God, we love what God loves. He loves mercy, kindness, all right? And he seeks justice. You see, pursuing this kind of love, pursuing this kind of life makes it hard to look the other way when we see human suffering, when we see pain, we see hurt and people in need. Friday night, man, I'm, I'm driving over to my daughter's house and my daughter has a single lane road to her house and it's only, you can only have one car at a time, man, either this way or that way, all right? And I, I'm driving and I go to pull in and I see a car there stuck in the snow and a couple of cars behind it and everybody's kind of out looking. And I look, and I got my truck, four-wheel drive, got a snap strap in my, under my seat back, and I go, man, that sucks. Take, no. <laughs> I got things I got to do, you know what I mean? All right, no. <laughs> I, I, looked, I looked, man, I literally did think, man, maybe if I just go and come back later, you know what I mean? They'll be out of there, but I got a truck, four-wheel drive, I got a snap strap, Man, I pulled in there. I'm in shorts, by the way, all right? I just happened to run to my daughter's house from around the corner of my house. I got shorts on. I got crazy looking boots, man. I'm, I look like a cartoon, all right? Getting out of the car, right? And, and uh, we get out. It took me all of 10 minutes to help this person out of, the, out of there, all right? And give glory to God for it. Amen. And then, let me ask you this. Okay. Well, don't you yeah, praise the Lord. Amen. But check this out. Let me ask you this. Have you ever, you ever, you ever see somebody crying at work or just in public and you just happen to walk by them while they're crying? You ever see how much energy it takes to ignore that they're crying? It takes a lot of energy to deny humanity of pain, because people will say, man, well, you pull that person out of the road, man, you're a pastor, you gotta do it. No, because I preach, you know, Isaiah 58, do not hide from your own flesh. When you see hurt, when you see pain, don't act like you don't see it, is what Isaiah was telling us, God was telling us. I preach that, and I need to practice that, because this is my life, and I love doing that, because I love the Lord, amen? And so, and so do we, we all do. When we, when we come across that person that is suffering, we come across that, that person that is crying. My wife and I were in Walmart the other day, man, and we're, I might have told you this, I don't remember sometimes, these stories I tell. Remember, I'm getting old, I'm, I'm not that old, all right? All right, so anyways, <laughs> um, we're sitting there, and I'm just kind of downloading some pictures because we're printing out some pictures, and a Walmart employee is toward the back there, and she's just crying, and I notice she's crying. And I'm like, I don't, what, and I started praying, what do I do, Lord, what do I do? And as I'm praying, what do I do? My wife is like, boom. I look over there and she's praying with the girl. And I'm like, 
you know, how, how easy was that? You know, how hard is it sometimes to, I mean, it gets easier the further and further we're getting away, but inside it's not that easy. All right, it may get harder and harder the closer we get, but you know what, inside we recognize this is why we're here. Amen? All right, I didn't, I didn't ignore this lady is stuck in the snow because I'm a pastor. I choose not to ignore her because I'm a human being. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to ignore humanity. Amen? Seeing you should help others see Jesus, right? And if you truly love God, it should be impossible to ignore suffering, especially when you can do something about it because you love who he loves and what he loves. In verse 52, another big teaching point he kind of gives us right here. He says, whoa, to you lawyers. Still dinner time, all right? <laughs> They're probably looking at me. Can somebody get the food, please? This guy, man, some bread, anything. You know what I mean? Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hinder those who are being entered. Instead of being an avenue to God, they became an obstacle to God. I was a youth pastor down the road here for quite a while, man. And I remember a mom came with her daughter to our youth program one time, one night. And she showed up, and uh, the mom said, is it okay for her to come to this youth program? And I thought that was a strange question. Because we'll take anybody. Right? And they're like, well, they're like, well, yeah. I'm like, well, of course. Why wouldn't it be? She goes, well, we were at a church, I won't name, down the street. And they told my daughter she had to leave because she was wearing too much black. And I was like, black's my favorite color. You know what I mean? <laughs> Heck. You know what I mean? <laughs> I said, well, that's just crazy. And the girl looked at me. She was like this. And she was all dressed in black. And it was pretty amazing when I said, well, of course. And I told her, straight up did say that. I said, black's my favorite color. Come on in. You know, of course. Jesus loves you no matter what color clothes you're wearing, what color your skin is, or anything. See, people need guidance in becoming a follower of Jesus. They need people to make it easier. They need us to lead them to growing that relationship. We, we can only lead people to growing in that relationship when we recognize and we show them the grace of God. You see, these things are not meant, these things of God are not meant to crush people, but, but instead to build people up, all right, and teach them that their failures and their past is behind them, all right, and that, and that no longer do they need to allow their past to control their future, amen? Because God has a way better future in mind for you, amen? Yeah. Praise the Lord. It blows me away sometimes. And maybe you've seen this, how when people realize the amazing grace that God gave them and forgave them with, how quick they are to withdraw that same grace. You know, some people, I mean, this is, it just, maybe we're just talking about a bunch of people that ain't here, all right? I just want us to check ourselves Because seeing you and seeing you people should be able to see Jesus, right? I remember somebody told us, and I think they printed this online, was online one time, it was online, they were ranting about our church, and they said that, that the, the only reason that our church is so pos possible, sorry, the only reason that our church is so popular 
it's because we'll let anyone in here. <laughs> That's what it said. <laughs> and I don't know if anybody else put this, but they said, well, isn't that what Jesus did? <laughs> isn't that why he was so popular? <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so check this out. As they went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press hard on him and to provoke him to speak about many things. And they were lying in wait to catch him and something that he might say. And so we just sat at the dinner table with these guys. We just sat there with, with Jesus at the dinner table. And we were just kind of sitting back, probably going, whoa, whoa, whoa. But what does it look like for you and me to get up from that dinner table? You see, there are three responses that, 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 that people have when, when confronted to the reality of God and the sovereignty of God and the, even the love of God. And man, yes, too, also the instruction of God. There are three responses that are, that, that are possible, three main responses. I mean, there are all kinds of responses, but they generally fall into one of these three categories. And number one, either you're going to deny God all right? You deny God, all right? And you get defensive and, 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 and deny God. You know, I'm just, you know, again, when approached by God, you know, I'm defensive in, you know what I mean? And, and I, I'm looking for ways to discredit what he told me. Or I'll look for ways to discredit what, 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 what God told me today. And I'm just going to deny God. I'm going to get defensive. I'm going to deny God. Or number two, you're going to get anxious and you're going to create yourself some religion. All right? You're going to pacify your own heart. All right, by doing things that make you just feel better about what you heard today or what you hear when you read the word or whatever. So you're going to deny God, all right? You're going to create a religion, all right, that is absent of God and just centered around you. Or you're going to lean in and worship your God because you believe the gospel that Jesus is Lord and your life is living proof of that gospel. And what are you? Defensive and denial? I have a hard time feeling that that's anybody in here right now, but though it might be. And if it is you, understand this. God loves you so much, man. He loves you so much. And your defensiveness and your denial of him does not, it doesn't, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, anyways, it doesn't cause him to just uh, you know, get away from you. I believe he pursues you even deeper and stronger. Or maybe you're here and you've created some religion around you, your life, man, and it's just gotten, you know, you're, you feel like you're doing a bunch of empty rituals and you can't even tell somebody exactly what God is telling you this morning, personally, in depth, into your life. Or maybe you're here and you're leaning in and you're worshiping our God. I want to give you a test, all right? And this is what I want you to do. I want you to do this for the next seven days. I want you to write this verses down. Uh, uh, Psalms 139, 23, and 24. Psalms 139, 23, and 24. Psalms 139, 23, and 24. Some people call it the Psalms, right? 139. 23 and 24. And it's a prayer that I want you to pray every day. A, a saint, his name was Ignatius, used to pray this, and he made this Ignatius examen prayer, 
right? To where every morning he would, he would, you know, he would pray, ask, pray this prayer and ask God, you know, to lead him forward. And every evening he would ask God, okay, where, show me what I did today, Lord God, that was, that was in, you know, that was honoring to you and it was all about you and show me what I did today that was without you so that I can make a better commitment tomorrow to be more you and less me. Psalms 139, 23 and 24 says this. This is your prayer. Say this, man, just for the next seven days, man, just just give it a shot. This prayer, honestly pray. And the more you, the reason I say seven days, because the more you pray this, then maybe the more uh, by the end of the week, it'll actually start becoming very real. The psalmist says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any grievous way in me, any wicked way, any way that is not of you in me, and lead me into the way everlasting, your way everlasting. See, when you repeat this prayer and begin to own it and make it personal and sincerely pray it to God, I believe that he is going to lead you in a way that's going to prove that seeing you is going to help others see Jesus. All right, it's your turn. Praise the Lord. Amen.